Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. Good morning, everybody. Good, good, good to see everybody in the house. Those online, thank you for tuning in. We are grateful uh, for you. There's a lot going on, obviously, yes, it is hot in here. Rocky sent me a text and said, hey, man, do you have a sermon on hell? I say, I might just have one, amen. So, uh, yeah, amen. But, uh, yeah, I got a little hanky. We're ready to go, and we're going to have an old-school tent revival church this morning, amen. One, one church, hey, one church, two languages, so Pastor Carlos and their team, they're over there rocking it out. And by the way, let me just say this. Uh, we're seeing substantial growth there. They had 111 people there last week. We're grateful for what the Lord is doing. Come on, come on. Very cool to watch the Lord work. And so again, it's good to be back. I uh, miss you guys dearly. And so I uh, had a little, uh, I call it the chitlin circuit. Just have me going around uh, preaching at a couple of places, but um, uh, nothing extraordinary, but great time with my family at family camp. It was really good just to be able to look my babies in the eyes and tell them I love them without any distractions. And so very good. Thank you guys for being a church that allows a pastor to get away for a little bit. But I will say this, you have great leaders and preachers even in my absence. No, I'm serious. You guys have great leaders and preachers in my absence, and so I want to say thank you to the teaching team. Uh, this, is, this is not a, this is even impossible without you guys, and so thank you for your sensitivity to the Spirit, then also how you allow the Lord to speak through you and your personality and your personality alone. Amen. Not trying to be the next guy. Kids Week is coming up. That's why I'm wearing this uh, Giddy up, I'm gonna call it a giddy up, amen. Uh, and so uh, it's very long, so I had to tuck it in. So I'm the old dude. All the cool people got theirs untucked. I'm the old dude, right, with a little belly going on. But then here it is. I had to, I had to tuck mine in, Barnum, because it was down here like a dress. And so I said I can't do that, man. I don't care how cool it looks, how grateful I am for this jersey. Um, but I will say this: registration ends tonight. If you have loved ones that you think that will truly benefit. Uh, not just them hearing about the Lord, which is great, but I'm going to tell you what, them hearing about the Lord, but then also being the next generation. If you care about the next generation, this is something you ought to invest in. This is what you ought to invest in, hearing the good news, but then also, also them having a life-transformed um, moment to where they can leave and be uh, really a sharp instrument in God's hand that he can use in the future. So that's, that's this deal. So sign up tonight. Amen. Sign up. And then lastly, let me say this. If you keep track with our budget and everything's like that, 96, we're at 96.5%, which I am extremely grateful for. Amen. Come on, as a church. Come on. I know the second thought is like, man, we're at 96.5% and you don't have no air. Amen. So here it is. We, some things are out of our control. We'll work on it. You better believe it is on my radar. But with that said, the end of our fiscal church calendar year ends August the 31st. I want to challenge the church today and those watching online, let's step up to the plate and let's hit 100% of our budget. We're at 96.5%. I like how there's a few faithful in there like just like, you know what? Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's not just hitting budget. It's really honoring the Lord. But then also, um, you're not giving to the church. You're giving to the Lord first. And he uses the monies to um, to really uh, just facilitate the ministries and then further the kingdom for his glory. So let's just, let's hit, what a great day when we have our budget meeting to say that we hit 100%. I know we can do it. Let's step up to the challenge. Let's get in the game. 
Waiting is inevitable. Waiting. Some of you guys said, I can't wait till this service is over. Amen. So I can get some air. But waiting is inevitable. It's safe to say that everyone in this room here today is waiting on something, whether vocational, waiting on a phone call from a company, maybe it's medical, maybe it's relational, maybe it's financial, I don't know, maybe it's directional. Lord, what do you want to do in my life? Are you calling me to get in the game? The answer to that is yes, amen. And the list can go on and on. Many of us, we fail to realize that waiting is, is really ingrained into the fabric of existence. Here's what I mean. Many of us in the room, you're waiting to get married. Some of us, we've been waiting for a long time. Many of us in the room, let me just back up. We're waiting for Jesus to return. Amen. But upon wanting to get married, the next phase will be, well, I'm wanting to have, I'm waiting to have a baby. Make sure everything is right, get things situated. We wanna, it's, we're waiting to have that little one that looks like us, that little gremlin. This one costs us more money. We're, gonna, we're waiting for that little gremlin. Amen. But then you're also waiting for that moment when the baby begins to walk. And then the baby, you're waiting for the baby to talk. Then you're waiting for the baby to begin to make decisions. I mean, there's always within the fabric and the rhythm of life waiting. Everybody hear what I'm saying here this morning? It's something that nobody can avoid in this room. If you can avoid the waiting seasons, please come talk to your boy. But not only this, you wait for them to graduate. And then you wait for them to get out your house, amen. And then you wait for them to go to college. You're waiting to have grandkids and then grandparents in the room. Y'all know this to be true. Then you're waiting to give them back to their parents once you're done watching them because you can just give them back, amen. We're, we're always waiting. David in our text this morning in Psalm 40 is going to help us understand something at the heart of waiting, at the heart of waiting. Hear me, please hear me say this. And the realities in waiting. Because there's some real dynamics in waiting that if we just press through and press fast forward, we, you, and I, as a church, individually, we will actually miss it. And let me just say this. God never wastes any experiences, whether good ones, whether bad ones, high mountain ones, or valley ones, and everything in between. He never, miss, he never wastes anything. So in Psalm 40, it's a song, it's a song about pits. Yeah, really, it's a song about pits. Not armpits, but pits, amen. Y'all know me like, Pastor, you're going to go there. But it's about pits, being dropped into a pit. Now, mind you, this is probably figuratively speaking. David is not necessarily in a physical pit like a cistern, like Jeremiah had been dropped into. But he is saying something that's intriguing, that life circumstances, sometimes it feels as if you are in a cistern. Like you are in the midst of this cylinder, if you will, uh, piece of um, um, apparatus, whatever you want to call it, and, and it's cold, it's dank, it's muddy, and there's mud in your toes, and there's no living, running water, fresh water, and, and this is, here it is. I mean, you're, you find yourself, I find myself in uh, pits of life. And the question is, again, what do we do with it? And, and if you say, well, if God has you waiting right now, you're in good company. Let me just say that. If God has you waiting right now, you are in good company. Joseph had to wait 13 plus odd years. Abraham had to wait 25 years. Moses, 40 years. Jesus, 30 years. Jesus, 30 years. And by the way, let me just say this theologically, Jesus is waiting even right now. He's waiting on the Father to tell him the time when to come back. He's waiting. Many of us wouldn't even think of it that way. Yes, he's in bodily form, raised from the dead, 
He's interceding on your behalf and my behalf. That's the ministry of the Lord now, but, but he's also waiting to return. And so this psalm that we're going to read this morning, it's really two parts. The first part is um, verses 1 through 10. You'll see one particular pit and then what he learned in that pit. And then based on what he learned in the first pit, he can respond and live, not based on his situation, but his revelation in the back half in the other pits. Now, Psalm 40, what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm not going to read the whole 17 verses. We're just going to kind of journey through it. Y'all good with that? Verse one says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. Now, if any of y'all, you start out, you go, man, that's, that's just not me. And when you think about the fruit of the spirit, when you get to patience, typically all of us, we we're pretty, um, I said that the, the inventory is low. David starts out, he says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. Context, he's still being pursued by skilled army men. Whether Absalom, his son, which was a byproduct of his own decision to sleep with Bathsheba. But not only that, he's probably being chased by Saul, whom, yes, was still God's king, but David had already been anointed as king. Look at the control and the submission to the lordship of, the, of, of um, David to the Lord based on, look, I know it's not my time yet, but I'm still trusting in, uh, I'm trusting in the Lord. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently for him. Now in Hebrew, and you got to do a little Hebrew work in this, the, the word waiting is, is just, and patiently, it's kind of a two-part deal. It's profound, man. It's so profound. I was in my study going, oh my goodness, start doing jumping jacks. Amen. It's, so, it's off the charts. David says, I, I waited patiently for the Lord. In Hebrew, it means this. Y'all ready for this profound deal? Drum roll. Anybody with a drum roll? Come on, come on. I waited and then I waited more. There, there it is. Actually, it means this. In my waiting, I was waiting. There's this picture of like, even though I'm in this figuratively, if you will, speaking this cylinder or cistern or a pit, that I just knew that, I mean, I can't try to make my way out of this. I mean, there comes a point when theology is real. Church, let me say this to you. There comes a time where what you say you believe about Jesus has to actually download to your soul. And so David, he's saying, look, I, I've waited. I, I waited. I know I'm anointed king and I could really start putting things into my own plan and matter. But I'm going to wait. Why? Because he says, I'm going to wait patiently. Now, this word waiting is not necessarily just waiting kind of humdrum or just kind of passing time. Do you know in the seasons of waiting, most of us, myself included, we waste the waiting. There's lessons in waiting. Tyler, I see you over there. There's lessons in waiting. We waste it. Mind you, I said a little while ago that David says, I'm waiting patiently for the Lord. Why? Because God is always working. In our waiting, he's always working. So if he's always working, that means we don't have the response, we don't have the, 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 um, the right to waste in the midst of what we're waiting for because we know that he's always working and so we can waste it. We can wish our way out of it. Come on, y'all. I wish this would be gone. I wish this would happen. I wish, I wish, I wish. How many of y'all have been in that wish category? Or we worry. Is that a real one? We worry our way, or we worry in the midst of the pit. We're worrying so bad it begins to affect 
our relationships. It begins to affect our own physical health. It affects us. We worry sometimes in the midst of the pit seasons. What about this? And we're going to see this in a little bit. David flips it and turns it into worship. You know, how can you go from being in a pit? It's funny seeing all these uh, fans going. It's funny. But how do you go from a, a, a dark moment and turning that moment into worship? It's only based off what you know to be true about God. Now, again, this is not, yeah, amen. This is not fictate. This is not bedtime stories, the cool little Bible story. This is not, this is like, man, my life, I'm clinging to you. And as a result, as David would say in Psalm 63, man, your, your love, oh God, your hesed love up top, your hesed love that always pursues me is better than life. I mean, how do you get to that point? It's when you taste and see that the Lord is really good. No, no, I'm talking about really good. Not, again, not, not wasting, not wishing, not worrying, but you worship. And in the midst of the pit, what happens in the midst of the pit? You desire his presence more than what you can get from him. And we're going to see this in just a little bit. What happens is this, is David says, I waited intently. Not, not passing, not passive. It was intently. I was praying. I was, I was talking to the Lord. Have you ever been in a season where you talk to yourself? Somebody said every day, amen. But have you ever been in a season, but the, here, let me, y'all know this, the back end of this, don't answer yourself, amen, okay? You can talk to yourself, but don't be responding to yourself. Then you look a little 5150, amen, okay? But it's intently listening. But what about this? What about attitude? You know, attitude is crucial in waiting. Attitude is, I'm waiting because I know I have to wait. I'm waiting because I know eventually God's going to do something. I'm talking about attitude. David says, I waited. You say, Marcus, how are you going to be done with this in 26 minutes? We're just in verse 1. We'll get there. I waited patiently. In my waiting, I waited on him. What I know to be true about him, it sustained me in the cylinder. It sustained me in the season. Regardless of what my eyes can see, I didn't let my eyes um, define um, the truth about God. I want the Spirit of God to reveal the truth about God to me in the midst of what I'm going through. So as a result, waiting is crucial. How about this? Think about this. A healthy theology of waiting, it leads us to this. What about Christmas? Anybody love waiting for Christmas? How many of y'all? Just Christmas is like, oh, it's the bomb. Some of y'all are like, heck no, because I'm still paying for the last Christmas. Amen. I don't even want to see the other one come yet, right? So, I mean, I, I mean, shoot, we still got stuff on layaway. Anybody remember layaway? Do they even still have layaway today, right? If you lay away at my house, you lay it away, you ain't going to see it. Amen. You lay it away, right? So there it is. But, but Christmas, waiting for Christmas. What about this one? What about waiting in line at an amusement park? Now, it all depends. There's probably two different audiences here. Some of y'all really enjoy it. It's like the thrill of being in line and waiting and getting to that, that deal and you get on, right, a little turn spin deal and turn down, whatever you call it. You get in a little deal and you get in, they strap you down. You just, you love the, the anticipation. It just, it drives you. Others of us, you're like, man, how can I get out this line? It's been 45 minutes. I already know the, the ride is three seconds. So why in the world, what's, what's, all the, what's all the ruckus and the fuss? What about this one? What about fishing for some of the guys and ladies that love the fish? Fishing you don't mind waiting. It's tranquil. It's, it's life-giving. Or what about this one? Let's be quite honest. What about straight up waiting in the DMV line? Anybody love that one? DMV line? They're always mad at you. 
I mean, you got to have every piece of document on your whole life. And then you get there, you're like, whoo, I'm finally up there. And they go, oh, you're missing this piece. You're like, no, I got everything. I got baby pictures, my mama's baby pictures. I got everything. What do you mean? I go to the back of the line. I don't want to go back to the back of the line. Waiting. That's something to you. It reveals what's in you and what's not in you. Post office. What about this light? Where am I at? I'm turned around. What about the light back over here, right? The light of death, that, that one, the turn left into here. I might or might not have run that thing. Amen. But anyway, um, <laughs> waiting. David says this. It's not easy. But when I understand that some things change and some things never change. In other words, David is saying, I know the character of God never changes. I can always rely on him. It may not seem right in the pit season, but you better rest assured that you can always trust him. David is, he's letting us see something. And then the Lord, what happens ultimately, the Lord takes that worry and he flips it into worship because David's patient waiting was rewarded. Now, let me just say this, because some of us, we've been waiting for many, many years. I don't know what you're waiting for. I really do not know. Maybe it's, maybe it's the, um, the prodigal coming home. I know, I mean, we don't want to be up here throwing, you got to do this. It's like a one, you rub the genie lamp and genie, uh, the Lord's going to do a work. We're not, we don't preach that theology here, nor do we teach that here. But David, there is this thing that, verse 1b, I waited patiently for capital L-O-R-D, the Yahweh covenant-keeping God. Keep that in mind, by the way. He inclined to me and heard my cry. Now, the time, and we don't know, but there's two different words for time in the original language. It's chronos, or chronological time, and then it's kairos, the, the specific time. So either way you look at it, if God heard his prayer, heard his cry when he cried to him, doesn't matter the time because chronologically, God has positioned and, and really created time to do what time was created to do, and that's reveal things. So if it's chronological, it works for the Lord. But then the specific time in the chronological time, what happens is God allows this to come to fruition. So regardless if chronologically you've been waiting for a long time, you better rest assured, God is still doing something in the waiting season because time works for him. It's like the little young lady, she said this about Sunday school. She said, Mom and Daddy, I'm tired of going to Sunday school. And the mom and daddy was like, oh, throw them back. Oh, what do you mean? You're tired of going? What do you mean? All they do is talk about Jesus. Every week, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Little girl's like, I'm fed up. <laughs> Have you ever been there? And so the dad looks at the little girl and said, hey, look, man, here's the deal. Um, may it never be, that's a good thing that they talk about Jesus because that never changes. You can change things, weeks changes, life changes, circumstances changes, but he says, that's good. And church, hear me say this. As a body of believers, as a church going forward, it's going to always be about Jesus. Everything we do, everything we say, um, how we filter, how we process, how we lead, it's going to be about Jesus. Jesus, give us the wisdom we need. It's amazing because even in a waiting, some things never change. Jesus never changed. Here's the deal. You ready for this? John Piper. Now, well, I'm not gonna be, I know some of y'all are going to be thrown off by me saying this. I'm not you know, 100% John Piper's camp, but I will say this. 
came across a quote, and I thought it was really good. He said, God is doing a million things in your life, a million plus things in your life right now. Think of this. He's holding the whole galaxy together. He's doing a million plus things in your life right now, but you're only aware of two of them. How profound is that? So in the waiting, you go, man, if, if God, you, you use the chronological time and the kairos time, the, the right specific time, you're going to do something. I know you're doing something because both elements work for you because you created them. And since that's the case, I know that you're doing a million things. Though I may not understand them, I know you're doing two things. I'm going to lean into the two things. What I know to be true about you, that you're good, you're faithful, you're, you're, you're trustworthy. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to get through this. Amen. So here, y'all pray for me. But then we see five, five dynamic divine responses from the Lord. One, you see this. He inclined his ear. I love this. He inclined his ear. What's the worst as a parent if you have kids, and you may not have kids, and that's okay, but someone that you know that's, that's dear to you, close to you, maybe a niece or a nephew, and they cried out to you and you just ignored them. Do you know in some third world countries that in orphanages, the kids, they cease to cry. Why? Because no one listens to them. They don't waste any more tears. They just deal with the plight and the reality in which they're in. They don't even waste tears. They call it no more wasted tears. So they lay on these mats, and there's hundreds of kids in this orphanage, and they're sitting here, and, and they're like, man, look, we're not going to cry anymore. Why? Because it doesn't matter. No one's going to hear us anyway. That's not the case when it comes to your God, Elohim, the one who loves you, Jesus, who never changes. He hears you. So he inclined his ear. That's one. He heard my cry. Isn't that good? If there's anything else you hear me say, maybe this is just for you, that he hears your cry. Thirdly, he drew me up. Ooh, here it is. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry mud or bog or mud. And then he set my feet. You see this in the text? He set my feet, making my steps secure. And then notice this next one. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Now, let me just say this. I, we can wrap this up. I can start hooping right here. Y'all like, no, don't do that, Pastor. You tried last time. It didn't work. Amen. So, but, but has the Lord drawn you out of a pit? I'm talking about the ultimate pit for you and I, that we were dead in our sins, and there was nothing that you and I could do, nothing we could do. But Jesus died in our place. He lived the life that you and I couldn't live. He lived that life for you and me. He also died the death that you and I were supposed to die. He took your place. Like he literally took your place. If there's anything else you hear me say today, that Jesus died for your sins. What are sins? Sins are um, uh, cosmic treason against a holy God. That God created you to be in a perfect union with him and then sin entered into the picture in Genesis 3. That means that everybody since Adam and Eve has been born into sin. And shaped in iniquity. That means you and I, we're, we're just jacked. We toe up from the flow up. You are. I'm sorry to tell you that. I know we live in the woodlands. Some of y'all visiting, you say, I'm not going back. He told me I'm a sinner. Amen. Hopefully you're here at another church. Because this is not, by the way, people are raising up for themselves preachers and teachers that will tell them what they want to hear. 
You and I, we were in desperate need, and we're going to see this in the text. David's going to say, man, I was needy and poor, but I'm thankful that you heard me. I'm thankful that you, you heard me at the bottom of this pit, even though I know why I'm here. And sometimes God allows pits in your life so you can have a vertical, robust reminder. But then sometimes we're in pits because of the decisions you and I make ourselves. Can I be honest here this morning? Now, I don't know if I'm pitting underneath this thing. is driving me about nuts over here. Amen. But sometimes we find ourselves in some serious seasons. He drew them out. In many Christian lives today, you can't tell that God has, has done anything in their lives. Why? That he's saved them. That you have a new song. Think about this. David says, man, look, I waited patiently. Because I know he doesn't change. Circumstances change all the time. I waited patiently. He did all these great things, the five divine responses of the Lord. He put a new song in my mouth. A lot of times in our lives as Christians, let me just be honest, with the world watching us, can they see this in you and I that we literally were drawn out from a, a very bad situation brought into a good one based on the work and the mercy and grace of Jesus? But a lot of times, it looks like we've been baptized in lemon juice, bitter beer face. I mean, Christians, think about this. Like, what can people tell that you have this type of commentary and this redemptive story in your life? Like, people should be able to know something, that you belong to the Lord, and that he's done a massive work in your life. And so David tells us, he says, look, in verse 3b, notice this. I love this part. I love this part. He says, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Now, what are you saying, David? Many will see and fear. Many, they're going to see me walk through this pit of life. They're going to see me trusting in the Lord. They're going to see, by God's grace, me holding on and clinging to him regardless on the chronological time in which God desires to come through. They're seeing me, I'm not wavering. God is faithful through and through. I'm going to wait. No, here's the deal. God is not never, he's never late. We're just impatient. That, that may strike a chord. I mean, even in my own life, I say, man, God, what are you doing, man? Come on, man. We're just impatient. So David says, many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Do you know that God is waiting? Um, he's wanting, check this out. God is wanting to be wanted. But he waits in vain because we don't want him most of the time. He wants you and I to want him. He wants you and I to realize that he is the only thing that can sustain and, and to, to satisfy the deep recesses of your heart and your soul. But most times, as the great writers would say, he waits in vain. Why? Because we find other things more attractive. And what David is saying is that, you know what, Lord, I hope that me going through this, it's going to cause others to see how good you are, but then also fear. Not fear in, oh my gosh, God, but fear in the sense of, man, straight up reverence. Can, do people see in you divine interruption, but also divine redemption? That God stepped in at the right time, chronologically, you heard the gospel, you were in a, a situation where you can actually hear him and hear the good news of Christ chronologically, but then at that moment, we don't know what that moment is, I don't know what it is for you, but for me, it was 1990. Heard this word, Hebrews chapter 13, 
My life has never been the same since. Hear me say this, never been, has it been perfect? Oh, hecky no. Far from that actually, very far from that, Joe. But I know one thing, God has been extremely faithful even in my faithlessness. So David says, well, I'm gonna tell you the results of it. Let me wrap this up. Now he's gonna show us what God is looking for while we're waiting. He kind of gives us his commentary. Here's what I've learned. Now let me, um, let me kind of like almost point the arrows out to help you now in your seasons of waiting. Here's some things that I want to encourage you. If you want to read my diary while I've been in the pit, if you want to look over my shoulder and, and watch David Journal, I don't know if he was left-handed or right-handed, who cares, but, but if you want to look over my shoulder and see me walk through and, and journal and dialogue what the great I am has allowed me to see and witness in the midst of pits in life, I want you to see it, I want you to read it, I want you to apply it, and I want you to live by it. Here it is. You ready? I love it. Verse four says this. Blessed, here it is. He's telling us now, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Hey, guys, I, I did it. Go ahead and do it. I did it. Why don't you do it? Keep it very simple. I did it. Go ahead and do it. Blessed is the man or woman who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, I knew I was going to need a rag. This is bad. I'm dripping like I'm mowing the grass. Amen. <laughs> My girls see me mowing the grass. They'd be like, Daddy, you okay? I'd be looking like water be like shooting out of my forehead. It'd be bad. <laughs> Amen. I'm glad I mowed yesterday. Amen. So, but here it is. Squirrel. Amen. Here it is. <laughs> Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. A lot of times in the midst of pits, we want to manipulate and chase after other things. He's saying, man, just stay there, man. Jesus hung on the cross for you. And by the way, there's a great argument if this is a, a Christ hymn or a Christological, if you will, psalm. And by the way, many say no. I'm, I, or I stand on the side of saying yes. I'm going to tell you why. Don't turn to the lie. Number, verse 5 says this. You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards, towards us. So waiting in the pit of life means trusting him alone. Just trusting him alone. Why? Because God gives us, you and I, more than enough to remember how good he's been. I've been doing this lately, and it's been encouraging my heart, but I just want to ask you some crossroads. Do you believe that God can still save? Do you believe that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is at work within you? Do you believe that? Do you believe that God has chronologically and sovereignly time place you where you're at to be a light and salt that some may see and fear and come to know and put their trust in him. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can still reconcile relationships and marriages and, and bring the prodigals home? Do you believe that even though the government is saying all that they're saying that God has the last say so? I mean, do you really believe it, church? Do you believe it? I, 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 I'm not trying to make this up, but do you really believe? Do you believe? And David is saying, ah, you multiplied, O oh Lord, my God. Your wonder is these. There's so many. I know you still can part the Red Seas. I know you can strike a rock and cause water to come out. It may look a little different in today's culture. Don't go out here and try hitting no rock, by the way. 
I wouldn't encourage you on doing that, but it may look different. He can still do it. And that's what David is saying. He can still do it. So here's lessons that I've learned. He can still do it. And by the way, waiting on the Lord means obeying him. See, in the midst of waiting, sometimes what we do in pits, we try to do, we want to do extra stuff. In other words, we want to do probably extra stuff to make God be pleased with us. I'm going to try to serve more. Maybe I'll try to even give more. I think Pastor Steckel talked about this a couple weeks ago. We try to do more. And, and the writer says that's not what he's after. Notice this in the text. He says this. Let me get my spot. Verse 6. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted. Uh-oh. 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 How many of y'all came out of here out of duty today? You came to church out of duty. You really want to be here. Some of us, most of y'all want to be here. You're like, now that I'm here, man, I should have watched online. Amen. It's hot in the mug. <laughs> Cooking my grits, right? So here it is. But it's not just doing external things. Notice this. We're going to land a plane. We have seven minutes. No, we're going to land this. I'm hot. Amen. <laughs> Let the truth be told. Amen. Y'all pray for me, please. It's hiding the dog up here. Amen. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted. So then what have you delighted in? That's the next logical question. But you have given me an open ear. So in other words, the imagery is this. There's different thoughts, and I don't have time to get into this. But in other words, Lord, you've opened my ear to hear correctly what you want me to hear. Then also, stay with me, how I ought to worship you and obey you in the midst of pits. He says, burnt offering and even sin offering you have not required. Man, I thought that was the case. I thought that's like a big part of the Old Testament sacrificial system. What are you, what are you talking about? And this text, by the way, points to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 5. That's why I believe that this is a, a text about Christ. Um, if you want to turn there with me, you can. Hebrews 10 and 5. says this, it's in the context of Christ's sacrifice once and for all for sin. The writer of Hebrews literally pulls this text that we're reading right now out seven, eight hundred years before Jesus would even die, places it in Hebrews, says this, verse 5, chapter 10 of Hebrews. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. That's a whole other sermon. In burnt offering and in sin offering, you have, not you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Direct, direct reference back to our text today. So in other words, it's like the Lord was echoing to David. There's nothing you can do ultimately in the pit. Don't try to change yourself. Deal with the real you. Deal with the real you. Wrestle in the pit. Wrestle in the pit. God will meet you in the pit. It's amazing that many Christians would do themselves a favor in the Christian walk if we would just remember. If we would just remember how good God, how good he is. It's amazing because heart worship is what he's after. 
And it helps us to realize in the midst of waiting, I mean, this is true, guys, in my own personal life. God will reveal to you in waiting seasons and pits, what are you really waiting for? What do you really want? And you, I'm going to tell you in the closing out of this what David really was after. What are you really waiting for in waiting seasons? Many of us will say, yes, it's a new job. Many of you will say, well, medical stuff, whatever it may be. You fill in the blank. What are you really, what are you really waiting for? Okay? Ultimately, as believers, and I'm not saying I'm perfect in this, but what I'm realizing more and more, God is asking me, Marcus, do you want whatever this is or do you want me? Do you want whatever this is? And these are good things, by the way. They can be very good things. Or do you want my presence? David says, look, I want your presence. But I like to look at verse 17. David realizes in the midst of it, in divine pits, I can't punt this off to nobody else. I'm not, I can't, I got to deal with my own self. Verse 17, he says, as for me, I am poor and needy. I'm poor and needy. You back up, he says in verse 12, for evils, for evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities, not somebody else's, but my iniquities. My iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. It's amazing because God will put people in your life that cause you out in some things that, that you probably can't see about yourself. I'm grateful for that with men in my life. People talking me off the ledge, Rocky being one of them. Rocky has talked me off the ledge many days in the last two years and some change. In regards to decisions, and then you got Pastor Carlos and Pastor Josh as well. My wife is for sure one of those individuals that will talk me off a ledge more than not. But you got to deal with your own self, though. What's the worst to go through a pit and don't deal with your own self? Don't deal with the lessons that God wants to teach you. And the writer is saying this, hey, man, I'm tore from the flow up. Verse 13, he said, blessed be, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. And he talks about the people that's kind of um, barking at him. Aha, look at you. Yeah, they're trying to hurt me. He says all that stuff. He said, verse 16 says, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May all of them. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is the Lord. And that's the last thought. When the Lord delivers you from a pit, proclaim his goodness. Proclaim his goodness. Proclaim his goodness. The writer in Habakkuk, Habakkuk said this, that the earth will be filled with his glory like, the, like the, the oceans, if you will, covers the sea. I may paraphrase that, but God's glory fills the universe. It does. Psalm 19 talks about it. So many other places in scripture talks about it. God's glory, Romans chapter one, God's glory fills the universe. His praise should do no less as well. So the writer says, let's look at verse 3b and we're done. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our, to our God. 5c, he says this, you have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds, I still believe in your thoughts towards us. None can compare to you. I will proclaim and tell of them. Yet they are more than they can be added. Verse 9 says, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips as you know, O Lord. 
I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. Why should I do that? You met me in the pit. This is going to turn to a praise party. I'm not going to stay in this pit and mope and grope and all this other stuff and just be all about myself. I, you raised me up out of the pit. I, I, may, maybe I'm preaching to myself. He says this. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed. Look at the language. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. In other words, she's saying, I have a responsibility now to tell somebody what God has done. The lessons I've learned, but then also how God, he comes through. In my study, uh, I had Alexa playing and the song came on. The song is, You Keep Hope Alive. And I sat there and I put it on repeat. I said, golly, that's so good, Lord. It goes like this, day may be darkest, but your light is greater. Your light, you light our way, oh God, you light our way. When evil is rising, think of this song in, in light of this text. When evil is rising, you're rising higher. With power to save, with power to save. And he says, you keep hope alive. You keep hope alive. From beginning to end, your words never fail. You keep hope alive. You keep hope alive. Why? Because you are alive. How cool is that? I keep singing. But it's hot. I'm about to land this plane. Amen. So how do you face pits? There's many lessons. One, when you're in pits, you got to wait patiently for the Lord. Two, waiting in pits of life means trusting him alone on his terms. Not doing external things, but doing the heart worship, the heart, soul, gut check. And then lastly, when he delivers you, and by the way, don't even wait until he delivers you. But if he does, you got to praise his name. Proclaim his goodness. Proclaim his goodness. Proclaim his goodness. Father, thank you. We thank you for this moment that we have as a church and just as brothers and sisters in Christ to hear from you and to be encouraged by Psalm 40. Um, we know that waiting is inevitable. Waiting is inevitable. It's going to happen regardless. So, Lord, we ask that in waiting seasons, in the pit seasons, that we don't allow our feelings to dictate What's really going on? Feelings are great. They're indicators, but they're, they're lousy dictators. They're not always accurate. But your truth is. So thank you, Lord, that we learn lessons from the diary of David. Of the pit seasons in life. That we can wait for you. And even in the waiting, we just wait. We just hold on. We trust. Thank you that you've given us more than enough to remember how good you are in the waiting seasons. Help us not to worry in those seasons as best we can, because naturally our default is to worry. What about this? What about this? What about this? May we fix our heart's attention back on you. May we not wish in the midst of the pit seasons. May we not waste the pit seasons. But Lord, help us to worship. And so for you in the room, you may say, man, I'm in a season right now. We have some pastors come forward. We want to pray for you right in this moment. We're going to sing. We want to pray for you. I want to pray for you specifically. I do as your pastor. I want to pray for you. Why? Because I know what pits are like. 
I've been in a lot of pits. I know what they're like. I'm not perfect in it. But over the years, I've learned some things about pits. We want to pray for you. You say, Pastor, I just want to, maybe you pray, I don't even want to make it be known. If, how about this? Let's do something different. If you want to be honest before the Lord today, again, because David said, I had to deal with my own self in the cylinder. It was heart worship. It was heart surgery taking place. If you want to be honest, how about this? Head bowed, eyes closed. Let's do this. He said, Pastor, I want to be real with the Lord and myself. I'm, I'm, I'm on the fringes of wasting the waiting. I for sure have been wishing in the waiting. Get me out of here. Change it now, please. Or you do more things in order to get God to kind of check off on it and make him feel, if you want to call it this, more proud of you. Here's the deal. There's nothing that you can do good or bad if you're a child of God that changes the way he views you his love towards you is perfect you're not your good days and you're not even your bad days in the kingdom of God because of the blood of Jesus you are who and what Jesus's blood has declared you to be so right now you say man I just want to I mean, when you pray for me I have something I realize. And if that's you, I want you to stand. Just stand in your, in your spot. How about this? You stand. You say, would you pray for me? I'm in a waiting seat. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I don't want to waste it. I don't want to wish it away. I want to learn lessons. I'm in a season. I am literally right now. I see myself in the cylinder. Lord, help me not to try to press fast forward. But help me to really cling to you, your unchanging character. This is a good thing about this. God never changes. He wants to meet you and I in the pits of life. I want to pray over those standing. But if you say, look, I want to come and pray with a pastor, we want to pray with you. If you need to give your life to Christ, I'm going to tell you what, the only way out of this pit is the blood of Jesus. And this pit is eternal damnation. Let me be very clear. You think this is hot. This ain't nothing. The Bible says that those who reject the truth of Jesus will be separated from him and his sacrificial work for all of eternity in a place where you'll be conscious. You'll be alert. But it's a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a real place. You say, I've never trusted Christ. And it's not a get out of hell card and just, I mean, I want to I surrender. I realize I can't change anything. And that's what really David was trying to let us know. We can't change anything. Jesus had to come and be that sacrifice for us once and for all. He died in your place. If that's you, I want you to come forward and talk to a pastor. Surrender your heart this morning to Jesus. He's waiting for you. So I want to pray over those that are standing now. Lord, thank you. Thank you for every story, every diary from the heart. You know what has been written in public and even in secret. 
Thank you that your word declares that you see us and you incline your ear to us. You want to hear from your kids. Ah, you're a good God. So, Lord, I thank you for those standing now. They are making this declaration. Lord, help me not to waste this season. Help me not to wish it away. Help me, help me not just to worry all the way through it. But Lord, by your grace and by the Spirit of God and the Word of God, help me to worship in the midst of it. Because when that time comes, as David said, many have watched my life. And now, as a result, many will see and they will fear the Lord. And then they will put their trust in you. So Lord, you allow us to go to the pit seasons, not for our own selves. But our own flesh will tell us that. The enemy will lie to you and say, yeah, this is all about you. God has bigger plans. Remember, he's doing millions of things in your life you're only aware of too. He wants to impact different lives. He wants to change the trajectory of generations. All in, that's connected to these pits. You're saying, God, will you allow me to do what I need to do? Do heart surgery in the midst of this so that you would get all the glory. And by the way, thank you for putting a new song in my mouth and my heart. I will praise you for the rest of my days. Lord, thank you for these that have stood up. I pray that you will bless them. Meet them right now. Thank you that you're a God who meets us right in our mess. You meet, you meet us right where we're at. We don't have to clean ourselves up. You don't work like that. You are the first missionary. You came to us. And so, Lord, please, will you move in a mighty way? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.